Paratruth Radio is a proud member of Evergreen Podcasts on KillerPodcast.com. Christian and non-Christian paranormal investigators. They have two different views, and it seems as if neither of them can ever agree on anything. So what happens when a mainstream view of the paranormal crosses paths with the Christian view? What's up, folks? Welcome to a brand new episode of Paratruth Radio. My name is Eric. And I'm Justin. And we're back at it today. Apologize for the small break last week, but, you know, we have lives outside of radio and things happen. But that's okay, because we're coming back with an awesome show for you today. We're continuing our discussion and our series on cryptids, and especially those that are... uh, lesser known to most of us here in America. So just a quick little housekeeping real quick before we get into tonight's episode. Uh, We really want to encourage everyone listening right now uh, to go ahead and join our Paratruth Plus Club. It is $5 a month, uh, but this level of the Paratruth Club is really awesome. You get a lot of cool stuff uh, when you do it. Uh, You're definitely helping With the workload that Justin and I put into the show, uh, both in the production, the editing, uh, the the time it takes to research some of these topics, and of course to figure out what topics are going to be fresh and cool for you guys, because we don't want to keep repeating the same episodes over and over again, although we do have a few that we have. But you guys like those episodes. So... Well, um, the, with those episodes, though, we're always bringing something new to the table that we've well, found. You, so. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, but those are the episodes that people tend to really like and tune into a lot. So it's like, might as well just <laughs> do them again. If everyone loves them so much, we'll bring new yeah. stuff. Um, but, you know, we, we, we're really devoted to our all of our fans and listeners out there. So we really want to use this Purge Plus Club uh, uh, to our benefit as well as yours. Uh, because we really want to, and I believe can rely on you guys for good information, new topics. Uh, you guys are always bringing new things to our attention, especially if we're talking about something that we're not necessarily clear on. Uh, you guys will be joining us and answering, and it's great. We love the love and support that you guys offer us. Uh, so we're offering this uh, Plus Club to you guys. Again, it is $5 a month, but you receive access to our Patreon-exclusive Discord server, which means you have access to us 24-7. Sometimes you guys might send us an email or a message in uh, Facebook or some other way of reaching out to us, and we don't always get back right away. Uh, and most of that is because uh, with all the amounts of emails and different comments we're getting, they tend to get lost here and there. Uh, but with the Discord server, you'll have direct access to us, which means when you reach us, we get a bing, a notification. We know right there and then, and we can reply. So yes, you can wake us up at 3 in the morning with a question, and... If we wake up, you'll certainly get a reply. <laughs> you will or at least a, right away when we wake up. <laughs> yes. You will also get a thank you video from us. I don't know if that's special to you guys, but we want to take the time to make a video and, you know, even personalize it to you guys. So there's that. Uh, you'll also receive access to our monthly true crime show, Crime Crack. Uh, there's only a few episodes up thus far, but it's a really interesting concept. Uh, again, we're just going through various crimes uh that 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 are either past or present crimes and we just discuss it we we're sometimes have heidi on to talk with us um and uh it's, it's a good time it's a good time you will also be able to submit questions for upcoming guests or for us if we do a show on a specific topic alone and of course if you guys want us to ever do a show where it's just a q a you guys ask us questions about anything and everything we'd be happy to do that so You'll be able to send us questions there uh, through 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 the uh, the Plus Club, and of course, if you're not part of the Plus Club, you can still send us those questions, and maybe we can do something like that one day. It'd be pretty cool. Uh, and finally, you get chances at exclusive Paratruth swag giveaways. We have given away things before. We've given away shirts. We've given away a decorative plate. Uh, and there's more stuff to come. So the more that people that we have joining this server or this uh, Plus Club. 
the more chances you'll get to win stuff and the more opportunities we'll provide for you to win stuff. Uh, so I think that's something Justin and I, you, you and I have to talk about what the next thing is we're going to do for a giveaway. Cause, uh, I think we're, we're just about due for another one. Um, yeah, I did have to take that part down on the actual Patreon part because they had emailed us saying, uh, you can't do that. But if you're hearing it here on Paratruth radio, then obviously we're still doing it. It's just, we can't advertise it on Patreon. As part of the plus club you guys you know follow us on facebook or instagram twitter or wherever we're at uh you'll f- you'll hear about the giveaways uh and of course finally you'll also have access to all of our past episodes which are currently being uploaded as we speak you'll get every episode from the beginning of paratruth radio until present time uh and now not everyone has those earlier episodes so if you are uh part of this plus club that's special access to you only, and I assure you those are great episodes. We have some great guests with us uh, on those episodes, and some of those guests, uh, unfortunately, are no longer with us here on this earth, which means it's even more important to hear what they have to say, because they, uh, some of them have set the trend for some of the most important and interesting topics today, such as UFOs and alien technology, uh, various ghosts and haunting stuff and you name it we've got everything so yeah one thing i regret is not getting brad steiger on for us yeah so with that said i think it's time to go ahead and get into today's episode again we are talking about cryptids and these are very interesting ones these are ones that justin actually came across uh and was really adamant in talking about today um And so I'm just going to name the three of them real quick, and we'll get into it. So the first one we're going to talk about is the Stellar Sea Ape. Uh, The second one is the, how did you pronounce this, the Dobar Chu or something like that? I pronounced it the Dobar Chu, but according to the Irish pronunciation, it's Darzu, I think. Okay. Okay. And then finally, we will be talking about the bunny yip. Uh, so not necessarily in that order, but those are our three cryptids today. Justin, I'm going to hand it off to you to decide which one we begin with. Um. Well, I think we'll start with the stellar sea ape. It's actually a very fascinating creature. Um, it was a creature that was discovered by George Wilhelm Steller uh, around on August 17th. I'm sorry. August 10th, 1741. And he was on, he's a German explorer and naturalist. And he uh, has been known for his work in Russia and Alaska. And he described this creature when he came across it. And it's just rather a fascinating description. Uh, Stella wrote that he was able to observe the animal from as close as about 16 feet he described the animal as about five feet long with a head similar to that of a dog. It had large eyes, pointed, erect ears, and long whiskers that he likened to a human mustache. Its tail resembled that of a shark in that the upper lobe was larger than the lower, but it had no four feet or four fins. Its body was covered with thick grayish hair, but its abdomen was reddish white. Stellar recalled that it resembled an animal illustrated by Conrad Jesner, which had been called Simia marina, Latin for sea ape. Seller wrote that the animal was capable of raising its front out of the water for several minutes at a time to observe the ship and engaged in an amusing juggling behavior with a piece of seaweed. Seller attempted to shoot it shoot the animal with a gun but missed because the first thing you do when you see a brand new species is you try and shoot it Mm -hmm. but um (laughs) the ship's log did not note the sea ape encounter and stellar's 1742 governmental report made no mention of it either now the explanation on this is according to a biographer dean littlepage a young northern fur seal appears to be the most likely explanation for the sighting. Their four limbs are set far enough behind on their torso so that they could have been obscured by the waterline, uh, and the shark-like tail of the creature may have been the animal's hind flippers. Stellar had already been familiar with fur seals, but little 
page suggests that the poor lighting conditions during the lengthiest encounter of the of a probable juvenile fur seal could account for the misidentification. So, and I mean, some of the renderings, it almost kind of looks like a manatee as well. So, I mean, mm -hmm. it, it could have been just something as simple as a, a misidentification, but the description kind of throws that off a little bit. Uh, a little bit. I mean, when you look at some of these other, like the pictures of the fur seal, for example, or you look at the sea lion, uh, especially those two particular ones, uh, they both tend to have shark-like looking, you know, back fins, which, you know, they're not obviously shark fins by any means or a shark tail, but uh, the shape of them is pretty similar. And as for the fur seal, you know, Stellar says that it was appeared to be red in the water, and the fur seal tends to have red colors. They also come in grays and whites and blacks. Uh, so it could particularly look like one of these creatures. Like I, I believe it says uh, here in the secret history behind Stellar's sea ape uh, is that the skin was covered thickly with hair, gray on the back, reddish white on the belly, but in water it seemed red all around and cow colored, which doesn't quite make sense to me. Now it can look red all around, but also be cow colored. Um, <laughs> of course, not to say there's not multiple types of cows. Obviously there are, but right. I naturally think black and white. Um, so, you know, with that said, that description alone really does fit this first seal pretty well. Uh, sea lions also in the right color, like right sunlight and stuff like that can have a bit of a reddish hue as well. Uh, they're not thickly covered with fur like the other line or like the uh, first seal is. But nonetheless, I think there is a good chance for mistaken identity here. And that's not to say or to even discredit what he saw. Maybe there was another creature out there somewhere, but, you know, who knows? Well, yeah, I mean, the the only thing that gets me is, is and it doesn't go into the description as to what this means, is in, it engaged in amusing juggling behavior with a piece of seaweed. Now, does that mean mm -hmm. juggling with its mouth, juggling with arms that he somehow saw after not seeing the front flippers? Now, that reminds me of a sea otter or just an otter in general, because a lot of times mm. they're floating on their back, juggling something within their flippers or even just, you know, they're kind of, they kind of look like they're being mischievous because they're always like rubbing their paws together and stuff. So <laughs> yeah. it's very possible it was some, doing something like that. Well, and with poor lighting, um, like the uh, Dean Littlepage was talking about in the last parts of the, um, the, interactions with this creature if it was even an if it was an otter then he wouldn't have necessarily seen the front paws because a lot of times their paws kind of blend into their body because of the mm -hmm. coloring so right right i mean i've never seen a otter with a reddish white belly and then grayish hair on on the top part but um i mean doesn't mean that they're not out there so right. Okay, well, and that that's about it on the Stellar Sea Ape. I mean, it was a very short description, and I guess Stellar had found other species, though, uh, an eider, which I don't know what that means, a jay, a sea eagle, and a sea cow. So, I mean, if he saw a sea cow, which is best known as a manatee, but th this is saying the Stellar's sea cow is extinct, so it might have been a, a different type of manatee even. Um, he would have known what some of these things were. Right. But I don't know. So why don't you give us the description for the, I don't know, Dobhar Shu Darzu, however you <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know how we're just going to go. I'm going to go with Dobar Shu because I don't really know. Uh, but based on the spelling, that's what you would think it would be. Yeah. So uh, the Dobar Shu, it, it's known as the Irish crocodile. Now, this creature is considered to be the single most vicious aquatic predator ever to hunt the murky depths of the Emerald Isle. Uh, now, although the British Isles are littered with dangerous underwater beasts, few, of course, are frightening as the Dobar you're right now. I'm gonna have problems saying it. <laughs> <As> the Dobar, 
<laughs> Dunbar Shoe. Uh, now, known to locals, again, as Irish Crocodile, the Dunbar Shoe's name, when roughly translated from Gaelic, literally means water hound. Uh, now, the distinction clearly separates the beast from the more infamous Kep- Kelpies, uh, which have terrorized the residents of the British Isle for centuries. Known for the creature's... Uh, voracious appetite uh, with a particular taste for human flesh the dobar shoe is said to be able to travel at incredible speeds in or out of the water so this isn't just a water creature we're talking about something that's both capable of water and land uh hunting even mm. um now it's described as being a half wolf dog and half fish uh, which is really interesting. Uh, and that was described by a Miss L.A. Uh, Walkington in the 1896 edition of the Journal of the Royal Society of Antiquaries uh, of, I- of Ireland. And it's interesting to note that the Dubar Shoe is also referred to as the Duragu, the Dorag Hauer, or the Dubarku. I don't know if any of them have different uh, like translations for what, you know, Again, the Dobar Shoe is basically Waterhound, so I don't know if these other ones are also Waterhound or if they have a slightly different meaning. Um, but they all date back to about oh, roughly 1684. Now, while numerous eyewitness accounts concur with Miss Walkington's description of a fish-like canine, other observers claim that the creature is more otter-like in appearance, uh, complete with a short coat of albino white hair, which makes a striking contrast against its black ear tips and the dark swath across its back. Now, there's been some dispute over the animal's length, but it is mostly approximately uh, believed that it's around seven feet from head to tail. And although contrary to its uh, nickname, the research team has not unearthed a single report of this creature possessing any true reptilian attributes uh there are some who believe that maybe it is part reptilian part dog part fish you know whatever um Mm. but in this case in most descriptions i guess in most um that, that have been provided by eyewitnesses there's never really been uh much much to hold on to in regards to the reptilian side of it um especially since it's considered the irish crocodile and that's really what they're right. talking about. Now, due to its canine-esque description, uh, the Dobar Shoe uh, also seems to remove itself from the various species of water horses said to populate the British Isles. Now, with that said, um, some researchers speculate that the creature may actually be an unknown form of a large predatorial pinniped or seal uh, or even a rogue super otter. Um could you imagine a super otter? It'd be like crypto, crypto the <laughs> super dog, only a super otter. <laughs> uh, the Dobar shoe is also known to attack suddenly, viciously, and without apparent provocation. Uh, provocation. Uh, credited with the deaths of numerous individuals, most of the testimony regarding the Dobar shoe's lethal nature has been passed on by word of mouth. But there is at least one account that was literally etched in stone, carved on a tablet in the village of Glenade, of Glenade uh, which is situated in County, I think it's Litrim. I, I hope that's Litrim, something like that. I apologize if that's wrong. Um, but in that particular county uh, is an account of such an attack. The account goes like this. On September, on September 27th of 1722, a woman named Grace was killed by a Dobar shoe while washing clothes in Glendale in Glendade Lake. I'm sorry. I keep saying it's Glenade Lake. I keep thinking Glendale. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> uh, she was killed while washing clothes in Glenade Lake. Uh, when her husband came to find her, he found instead a Dobarch shoe sitting on her bloody clothes and mutilated body. He killed the beast, stabbing it in the heart. As it died, it made a noise like a whistle. Now its supposed mate rose from the water and chased the man and his friend. They killed it before it got the chance to hurt either man. Now, what's really interesting about this is even though they both killed him and it was indeed etched in stone, there's no 
other evidence to support the claim that this creature actually did exist. You know, even in 1722, you would think they would have kept the remains, the bones or something, you know, at that time, there's an important find. Mm -hmm. Um, But alas, they killed two creatures and both ended up going missing. Uh, So they do have the stone account and this story from September 27, 1722, but that's about it. Again, it's just word of mouth uh, and a picture on a tablet, basically. Uh, and this, I just want to mention, this actually comes from uh, Cryptopia. Uh, that's a website. It almost sounds like Crypto the dog. <laughs> kind of, a little bit. <laughs> yeah, it, that's another interesting one because... Uh, even though it was supposed to be much larger than what an actual otter is, it, it I mean, the, the description of it almost sounds like an otter uh, as far as before that, that attack, I mean. <laughs> so, it I mean, it could have been a, a misidentification, but I don't know. I've never heard of just by the, what the description is for it. Well, could have, um, I mean, but I mean, now they, they do say approximately seven feet and I don't know, I've never seen or heard of an otter that's seven feet. Um, right now that's not to say there weren't some type of prehistoric otter still around. Uh, and it could have been vastly exaggerated. You know, things seem to be bigger when we're scared of something. Uh, you know, you see a little animal, like a little tiny spider and you think it's like five feet wide and two feet tall when in reality is about the size of a dime. Um, that's an exaggeration, obviously, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah. There's also a good chance that if this was an otter, a sea otter or otherwise, um, even a seal, um, and I don't know, I've never heard of this in um, in terms of marine animals, so I don't really know. I can't say this for sure, but maybe there's a possibility it had rabies, um, especially if it's come up on land before. Uh, it could have gotten mm-hmm. attacked by another creature or something uh, and gotten rabies, which would have given it the distinction uh, from other sea creatures in that it was attacking uh, both in water and on land unprovoked. Uh, so, I mean, there is that possibility. Yeah. And unfortunately, the, the accounts aren't specific as to... Uh, what had happened, you know, before the woman was, was killed, like was the creature fearful for its life or what, but all right. Well, I think that's about it on the Dobhar shoe. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So let's move on to the final creature. Uh, the bunyip. Now this is one that I actually came across a, a years ago it's an australian myth and it's kind of interesting just the the way that the pictures are are drawn of it and the uh the description but uh the bunyip is a large mythical creature from australian aboriginal mythology said to lurk in swamps billabongs creeks riverbeds and water holes the origin of the word bunyip has been traced to the Wemba Wemba or Orgaya language of the Aboriginal people of Victoria in southeastern Australia. But the figure of the Bunyip was part of traditional Aboriginal beliefs and stories throughout Australia, while its names varied according to tribal nomenclature. In 2001, in a 2001 book, writer Robert Holden identified at least nine regional variations of the creature known as the bunyip across Aboriginal Australia. Europeans recorded various written accounts of the bunyips in the early and mid 19th century as they began to settle across the country. Now, the characteristics here, uh, and again, just remember there's a lot of variations for, for this creature, but George French Angus may have collected a description of a bunyip in his account of a water spirit from the Maroondi people of the Murray River before 1847, saying it's much dreaded by them. It inhabits the Murray, but 
they have some difficulty describing it. Its more usual form is said to be that of an enormous starfish. Robert Brow Smith's Aborigines of Victoria, Aborigines of Victoria, uh, devoted ten pages to the bunyip, but concluded, in truth, little is known among the blacks respecting its form, covering, or habits. They appear to have been in such dread of it as to have been unable to take note of its characteristics. Common features, as reported in many. In many 19th century newspapers, accounts include a dog-like face, a crocodile-like head, dark fur, a horse-like tail, flippers, and walrus-like tusks or horns, or a duck-like bill. So you can see how various the (laughs) description for this thing is. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Chalican bunyip, an outline image of a bunyip carved by Aborigines into the bank of Fiery Creek, was created or was first recorded by the Australasian uh, blah, 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 the Australasian newspaper in 1851 according to the report the bunyip had been speared after killing an aboriginal man antiquarian renal rinal johns claimed that until the mid 1850s aboriginal people made a habit of visiting the place annually and retracing the outlines of the figure which is about 11 paces long and four paces in extreme breadth. The outline image no longer exists. So this one is kind of hard to figure out what is going on here. And is there anything that you came across on your end that varies on that at all on the description? Uh, I mean, yeah, the description is so, you know, again, as you said, it's so vast uh, that it could be a number of different things. Um, but there was uh, some fossils found in uh, the Wellington Caves in 1830 in which s- some huge uh, bones are found that seem to be much larger than an ox or even a buffalo. And some believe that this could have possibly been uh, convincing proof of the bunyip. Uh, and in actuality, may have the bunyip may have either represented or uh, uh, been similar to, or even maybe was uh, one of two possible creatures uh, from prehistoric times. One being the, I believe it's the Natotherium, uh, which is an extinct genus of marsupial from Australia. Uh, the mammal had a high and hypsondent molars, uh, and it was relatively larger than the second creature, which was the diprotodon, uh, meaning two teeth forward, meaning it just had two teeth that hooked forward. And if you look at some of the pictures of the bunyip, uh, it does have what appears to be two protruding mm-hmm. teeth or fangs in the front. Um, now, the tripodon, or tripotodon, however, uh, however you say it, um, along with many other members of a group of species collectively known as the Australian megafauna, uh, existed approximately 1.6 million years ago until its extinction uh, some 46,000 years ago. Uh, So whether or not there is a possibility that this creature still existed even beyond 46,000 years ago somewhere within Australia is quite possible. Uh, In recent times, they believed uh, there's been conclusion uh, all around that the thylacine or the Tasmanian tiger had gone extinct however there there however there have been recent reports uh, that people have seen the Tasmanian Tasmanian tiger uh, around their hometowns uh, or even in the while traveling through the woods and there have been expeditions out to try to find the Tasmanian tiger uh, there's been video evidence of what would appear to be the same stripes and tail of the Tasmanian tigers running back into the woods so again if this is a creature that uh, had gone extinct um, relatively recently, but then we find out is still possible, possibly living uh, in the wild in Australia, then there's quite the possibility that other extinct creatures or even creatures we don't even know also exist within Australia because, again, it's very vast, much like our oceans, even like some of our uh, North American woods. Uh, we haven't seen it all. We haven't explored it all. Uh, it's so vast and large. You never know. These things can still exist and be around. So it's quite possible that the bunyip, or yeah. in this case, the uh, dip, done thing, is still alive. <laughs> 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 uh, 
<laughs> well, so, or maybe some type of descendant. Yeah, absolutely. As well. that, that, that's a possibility as well. So, all right, folks, I think that's all we've got on these creatures. Um, we'll take a quick break and we will be right back with Paratruth Radio. Don't you know that you're a grown up? I'm a grown up. Me too. Yep, me too. But you know, these days being a grown up can really suck. Luckily, we're grown ups who grew up in the coolest generation. We had video arcades. And also some of the best TV and movies ever made. We lived the origin of awesome consumer electronics. The list goes on and on. Yep, Generation X. Exactly. And we're Gen X Grown Up. Every week, the Gen X Grown Up podcast explores media, tech, toys, games, and more from both yesterday and today. Through the eyes of Generation Xers who absolutely love that stuff. You can find us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Or find us on our website, genxgrownup.com. All right, you think that was good enough? I I hope so, man. I'm tired. (laughs) Who listens to a promo on a podcast and then goes and listens to a different podcast? I've never done it. (laughs) There are spirits everywhere. Watching, waiting seeking that opportune time to reveal themselves like no other. They fill our worlds with so much. Seriously? You didn't just do that. You farted on the promo? What's wrong with you? I thought you were professional. Go away. Go. I, I got it. I got it. Hey everybody, it's Brian Bowden, host of Nobo Boomy, where we explore deep inside the Goblin universe. We have an amazing show that covers the paranormal, conspiracies, music, art, entertainment, trending topics, and so much more. Please join us by subscribing to the show on Podbean at InsideTheGoblinUniverse.Podbean.com, on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and everywhere you find podcasts. It's an informative, fun, and overall entertaining good time, and uh, we'll keep the gas to ourselves. Why don't you burp next time? Someone give me Brian Anderson. Hey everyone, I'm Kat Ward, host of Paranormal Heart, your monthly paranormal podcast. Join me the last Sunday of every month as I speak to people who share their paranormal experiences. You can follow me on Podbean, YouTube, TuneIn, iTunes, Spotify, and Paranormal Radio. Welcome back to Paratruth Radio. I hope you guys are all having a good time tonight. I know Justin and I are. Uh, we have just recently finished discussion on three new cryptids that, well, are new to us. Maybe not to everyone and probably not to everyone around the world because obviously some of these creatures are from other countries. <laughs> so if you're from those particular countries, I'll show you Ireland and otherwise, you'd, yeah. So, um, I mean, these are, these are three creatures that I think more or less either are either A, uh, a case of mistaken identity, B, uh, either a um, existing creature from a prehistoric time or even an evolutionized creature uh, of what once was prehistoric. Um, I don't know. Like, what, what do you think? Like, let's talk about the the. Um, well, let's talk about this last one we, we we just discussed first. So the bunyip. I mean, do you th- what do you think about this? Is it something that is simply mistaken identity, or could this be uh, folklore, or just? I mean, I don't know. Uh, the bunyip in particular, since there was such a diverse collection of what this creature was supposed to look like. It's really kind of hard to pin down because, yeah, there were some descriptions that would have suggested maybe it was the Daya whatever Don thing that you mm-hmm. said. Um, but, I mean, there was some recollections of it being the, the true form being some type of starfish-like creature. But right. it would, I mean, a lot of starfishes can kind of morph their bodies a little bit, kind of like uh, squids and stuff. So it could have been some type of creature like that that could morph its body to do stuff like walk on land and stuff. But um, the bunyip is one of those ones that it almost sounds like it's just 
a, a fear of, of mankind and they were trying to make an explanation. Maybe even they found these bones. And so the, just kind of like how we think of the dragon today, uh, people found fossils of dinosaurs and came up with these gigantic tales of fighting these creatures and that sort of a thing. So the mm-hmm. bunyip is one that it's kind of hard to say for sure one way or the other because if it was something that was somehow related to the die can you <laughs> try and pronounce it again the die <laughs> something adon uh, yeah it's it's well I'll try it again it, it's the diprotodon dang it diprotodon the diprotodon 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 think of it that d i p R O T O D O N. Okay. The protodon. Um, and yes, I just won the spelling bee, I think. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it's a possibility that it could have been that. But since there is such a vast description of this thing, it I would say that it's almost just more of stories that people came up with of something that they saw and feared. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on that one? No, I agree. I feel like there's just so much uh, distinction between all of the various um, descriptions uh, of the creature that is, it has to be myth, just a, just a mythos. It has to be something that was made up as a fairy tale and, uh, you know, people have come to believe existed. Uh, there's really been no evidence to support uh, its existence aside from the stories um, there's been believed to uh, that people have found a skull of a bunyip, but as far as I can tell, that hasn't come out to 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 prove anything. Uh, it's just mm-hmm. a skull. I'm not sure we really know what it is. Um, and I don't know. I, I I do feel like that this is one of those creatures that, unfortunately, though a pretty interesting cryptid, is not even much of a cryptid. It's just a fictional character that somehow made its way into the cryptid category uh, because of the stories that have evolved over time, which there's nothing wrong with. I mean, if that's the case, Slender Man is also a cryptid nowadays, you know, and that was simply a story that has manifested into something much more. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It's hard to discredit something when you haven't seen it yourself or witnessed uh, something similar, you know, without being there, without understanding the situation or the time or, you know, how the story's evolved. Um, it's hard to really discredit it because you're looking at it from the outside instead of being there within it, you know, at least from yours and my own, uh, viewpoint perspective. Right. Well, but here's the thing though, too. Um, and, and this can be said for all three of these cryptids that we talked about today, there's no current recollections or, uh, sightings of these creatures right. as far as I've seen. Right. Yeah. So, and, and that could be uh, a n- number of things that could be, um, well, I mean, that, that, that could simply be that whatever it was died out or simply left the area and no longer lives within that area. It could also be along the lines of, you know, kind of like an American gods type of thing. If, if anyone watches the show, it's, it's just time is forgotten in a way, you know, mm. these stories were around before the media and before gaming and, you know, TV and all that stuff. And once that media came around, people started turning their attention away from the world around them. And instead looking at the world that's beyond, uh, their own localized, you know, place, uh, right. you got Hollywood and all that crap now. So, you know, you kind of take, something and you replace it with the old beliefs and those beliefs eventually die out, uh, which is unfortunate, but nonetheless truth. Right. What are your thoughts on the, the Dobar shoe or Darju or however yeah, you pronounce the, it? <laughs> the Dobar shoe is another interesting one. And I feel like the Dobar shoe is actually a little bit, um, probably a little bit, closer to a reality than these are than this last one uh simply because there have been i mean it's not only the fact that there have been eyewitness accounts as there are with all of these creatures but these are eyewitness accounts that have 
determined or at least have localized the beast to either being a sea creature like a sea lion or a seal uh, or an otter. So mm-hmm. these descriptions are very close. They're very similar. Um, and I think also, despite being abnormal as it is, uh, it's also quite possible that some of these descriptions or these eyewitness accounts are legitimate. Uh, when you think about creatures being, um, you know, having diseases or being inflicted with, with uh, rabies, you know, the fact that this Dobar shoe would just attack people without provocation, uh, there's a good chance that there's a reasonable explanation behind it. Uh, and maybe not even that, maybe it's territorial. There are territorial creatures out there that will attack uh, without mm being provoked um it's just the way that the nature or the natural world is uh, especially in the animal kingdom so I, I think there is a little bit more evidence to support this particular creature but i think that evidence um doesn't actually make it the dobar shoe which is a creature in and of itself but instead is simply an explanation to some rabid creature uh, that has already existed and even still exists today um so misidentification misidentification or maybe it's not even misidentification maybe it's um i mean again when you look at its gaelic name uh it, it means waterhound and there are so many creatures nowadays that be can be considered water hounds. You know, you got the sea lions, you got fur seals, you got otters, uh, you name it. There's so many out there. So maybe it's not even mistaken identity. Maybe it's, uh, maybe it's just an explanation for a creature that didn't have a name at the time, uh, or at least not a specific name for that area. I don't, you know, I don't know. There, there's so many possibilities here. I mean, we're talking, I mean, 1896 is relatively early. Um, but if you see something in the water that's, you don't see normally in that area, um, you name it the best you can. You know, earlier dates right. go back to 1684. Um, so 1684, you're, it's another real good possibility that in the area, this particular creature wasn't there at one point and one day shows up. And it happens all the time. Uh, sometimes creatures are just passing through. They hang around for a while and then move on, which seems to be what happened here because eventually this creature also kind of disappeared after a while. Uh, so... I don't know. I don't know if it's necessarily mistaken identity or if it, in this case it's just somebody gave it a different name and it's, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I, I think that that the Dobhar shoe and even the Stellar's sea ape both are a little more believable than the Bunyip, only because both of those had an actual description. Um, that didn't vary, at least not to the point that the the Bunyip did. So right. now the both the the Stellar's Sea Ape and the Dobhar Shoe almost sound similar uh, in their descriptions a little bit, but um, both also could have been misidentified creatures. Um, you know, the one thing that has happened in more recent history a couple years ago there have been bears with full-on mange that have been captured and they're claiming it's the uh the chupacabra and Mm -hmm. uh i mean there's a lot of people that have found corpses of coyotes or even uh dogs that have died out in the countryside that were suffering from mange and claimed chupacabra because the gums had been receded because of the mange and the hair had been removed because of the mange. So even like you were saying with the rabies, it could have been a creature suffering from some type of skin disease like mange. Um, The description for Stellar's sea ape said it didn't have any front flippers or arms of any kind. Uh, It could have been maybe an otter or um, the, uh, what was it, a fur seal Mm -hmm. that it was saying it was. Uh, It could have been a a fur seal that 
maybe lost the front limbs because yep. of something. Right. So, um, yeah, these two are a little more believable, but uh, in the end, to me, I almost wonder if it was something like that where just like you were saying with the Dobhar shoe, it could have been a creature that was rabbit or whatever. Uh, same thing for Stellar's sea ape. It could have been an injured animal or something like that. And this one, the Stellar's sea ape, from just the one description that we have of this and the Dobhar shoe, the Dobhar shoe sounded way more aggressive than the Stellar's sea ape. Right. So what were your thoughts on the Stellar's sea ape? No, I agree with you. Um, I agree with you 100%. Uh, I feel like this one is really just mistaken identity. Um, you know, but whenever you look at pictures of seals or even videos of seals uh, or sea lions or any of those sea creatures like that um, out in the ocean, you never see their front flippers. It's very rare unless they're hopping out of the water to get away from a shark or to chase down prey. Uh, but usually you don't see their flippers at all, uh, especially since they typically live in areas that are relatively murky uh, in terms of the water. So I, I think this one is uh, definitely mistaken identity. Uh, if it was dark, I mean, it, it, you had mentioned that it was dark. And uh, is that dark outside or the water was dark when you say dark? Well, it was saying that or light visibility light. was a, yeah, it was obscure lighting. Okay. So, so whatever I would assume that it was like means, around dusk, dusk time. Right. So if you figure that too, I mean, it, it makes sense, especially in the Northern sea, you know, um, it, it's, there, there's a lot of mistaken identity, I think up in the Northern uh, sea mm -hmm. and even the, the Southern sea, you know, we, we're not talking about a place that's like near the Bahamas or the equator, you know, where the sea is little in uh, those areas like the Caribbean where the sea is light blue, you know, or even clear closer to the white sand beaches uh, where you may mm -hmm. not have the same mistaken identity. Uh, but when you're looking at relatively black water uh, at dusk, you know, it's it's definitely hard to tell, uh, especially since water tends to change the color of a creature's fur uh, or skin in this matter. You know, if you're looking at a shark or something like that. So, yeah, I definitely think this one is mistaken identity for sure. Uh, I don't think there's anything that really lean allows me to lean towards like, oh, maybe this is some other creature that is, you know, a cryptid or just has yet to be identified. I think this one is identified and just simply... Uh, at the time, you know, kind of mistaken. So, yeah, <laughs> I don't, I don't know where I was going. <laughs> well, I mean, a lot of the cryptos that we talk about, I, I think we kind of, kind of fall along those lines of, it, it could possibly be misidentification. Uh, like we talked about the Bigfoot a couple of weeks ago where, it could be some type of interdimensional creature, but um, it could also be misidentification as well. Where mm -hmm. with these things, yeah, it's possible that just like with the Bigfoot that they do exist. But to me, it almost sounds like misidentification just from the descriptions that, that we're getting from it. Right. Um, or or it, it was a creature that does exist and had some type of injury which I mean lands under misidentification, of course, but uh, it's just to me these sound very similar to um, more so being actual creatures over what we would classify as cryptids. Right. So, um, any final thoughts on these creatures? No, can't say so. No. All right. All right, folks. Well. Like Eric said at the beginning of the show, make sure you check out the Plus Club. Uh, there's a lot of great things on there. We do want to keep adding more, but the only way to do that is with your help by joining the Plus Club. Uh, any money that we do get from the Plus Club does just go right back into the show. Uh, and it's continually growing as far as the show itself is concerned. So definitely get in on the ground floor and uh, take part in some of those uh, benefits for being a plus club member. I, I think one of the biggest things uh, in my opinion is getting 
in contact with us on our Discord server as well as being able to give us questions on creatures that we're talking about or uh, even more so, you know, at some point maybe we can get to a point, like Eric said, doing a uh, question and answer, uh, even having you guys on to discuss creatures that you've come across or want to talk about and that sort of a thing. So, but in order to do that, you have to be a part of the plus club. Um, also make sure you check out paratruthradio.com and make sure you check out TMV cafe as well as fringe radio network, because our shows are featured on both of those networks as well as, um, radio and podcast, uh, we are featured on that network as well. So that is about all we've got for you guys this week. Uh, make sure you check out next week where we will have yet another set of obscure cryptids for you. But until then, stay tuned to, to Pure Truth Radio. Same time, same channel. My name is Justin. And I'm Eric. Peace. Remember the talents that have inspired us. Whoa, 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 cut. Oh, come on. It wasn't that bad. It's a bit dramatic. Let's just tell them about the show, guys. We are the Canned Air Podcast. Join us weekly for a comedic trip through pop culture. We also welcome some cool comic creators, as well as some of the voice and screen actors that help shape your childhood. Find us on cannedairpodcast.com and on the Evergreen Podcast Network.